Zach, it's an awkward moment to begin because you're still pouring water for yourself. Why are you so late? What's up? How are you uh, doing? Good, good, good. Uh, thank you so much for coming. Welcome to another episode of PG Radio. On this episode of my podcast, I have the world famous musician Zach Hagendorf. Is that is that the accurate description of of where you stand? Well, I, <laughs> on the way to world famous. No, actually, I think I, I honestly, 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 I have a view uh, when I bring guests on, and that is that I will not endorse anybody who's work I do not believe in and if I don't believe in their work and I yeah. still have them on I make sure I disclaim but your work for real is phenomenal especially with respect to the commensurate attention that you might have received I think you you deserve way more than what you have and Thank you, man. this is my way of um, let's just say allowing people to understand the mask behind the Spotify cover page that yeah, Zach Eckendorf yeah, yeah. is right? word word I um, appreciate it man and I mean, I, I wish you all the best, and I and 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 I'm and I think I'm going to be some sort of a passive observer in terms of the journey that you are take from here. It's been a pleasure knowing you for the one week that I have known you. Yeah. But let's get down straight to it, Zach. I'm going to take a quick second out to remind you that you can subscribe to my podcast if you like its content. The subscribe buttons are right on the top of your app screen. Thank you and enjoy the show. It comes in waves. What is where where did this notion of being a musician come from? It's a it's a difficult notion to grab your head grasp your head around, right? It's not that every musician gets it's not like accountancy. Not everybody gets a piece of the cake. Only some people get the entire cake and everybody else is, you know, just a struggling artist. Yes. Where where does this dream come from for you? Uh I mean I I think I've just always wanted to be Ever since since I was a kid, man, I just wanted to be a performer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I've wanted to be a songwriter too. So uh, I don't know, man. I mean, it started when I was really young, and I was listening to Backstreet Boys and In Sync and uh-huh. Christina. You wanted to be in a boy band? I uh, yeah, man. Oh, I yeah. was. Just, I it think takes I just balls always... to admit that. What's that? It takes balls to admit that. I uh, yeah. Yeah, I know. No, it does, I mean, I was into that stuff, and I'm just like, I'm into the idea of like singing songs on a big stage that connect with lots of people mm-hmm. that that just like it drives me i get the performance angle of it but why music in particular why not say ah. act or why not say do something else that allows you to connect because music's a more ambiguous form of art too you know what i mean yeah like acting you can connect with words that mean the same thing as they're said with music there is always poetry involved and there is always this emotional swing involved why music why did you pick music for yourself i mean i think i don't know i mean i'm i'm I feel like more is communicated, at least for me, with music uh-huh. than with just literature or, you know, I, for me, uh, uh, music just speaks to my emotions in in a very special way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like I like trying to do that with audiences. I see. Yeah. And so you were very young when you got involved with this. You probably picked up a guitar, I would assume, in your formative years, seven yeah. to eight years of age. You already had a guitar next to you. Yeah, when I was 10. I when you were when 10. 10. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And then how did things go from there? I start, I mean, I started writing from day one. Like, I, I took a guitar lesson, and <clears throat> I was writing songs that night. Mm-hmm. So that happened really quickly. And then, uh, man, it just became my thing. Like, I did, I did the fourth grade talent show and then the fifth grade talent show and then it just kept building until I was I was so I was writing so many songs that by high school I already had like you know six seven years of writing experience mm-hmm. and then I recorded some stuff in high school that that kind of took off around Denver mm-hmm. I've always been 
I think envious is the correct word. I've sort of always been envious of people who discover their lifelong romances in a second. I'm a man who yeah. second guesses everything I do. Like oh, same, from same man, same. people who I love to friends who I make to mm-hmm. the enterprises. Mm-hmm. I have it I did not discover I love doing this as much as I do now yeah. until I was 23. Yeah. You were 10 when you got that. How yeah. w- 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 how how does that how how does one know this is my thing? This is what I want to do. It, uh, I mean for me it's just it's it's something that's never it's always been there. It's just been this constant in my life. Uh-huh. You know, like so I I guess I don't know, man. It is weird that I knew from such a young age. Right. But I I mean that can be disadvantage. No, no, no. That's a solid advantage. I think that's yeah. that's that's that puts you five step ahead, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I no, mean, no, I was true. still busy playing chess when I was 10 and that got me somewhere. I'm sure it has like a psychological impact, but 100%. and I thought that was my romance, right? I was wrong with that notion back then. Of course, I should have known sooner. I was just not mature enough to it did not uh, look like the mathematical possibility of me ever being the world's best chess player would emerge. Got gotcha, you. Um, got gotcha. you. But I see that. And then and then there was you said there was something that took off sometime when you were in high school. What was that? It was a it was like a EP of five songs. <clears throat> and uh what's it called? I think it was just self-titled like Zack Hackendorf. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, very egomaniac. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> no, and you can't find that online anywhere. I don't I I think I took that off, but it's uh Yeah, it was five songs that just I I was super hesitant to put them out. I was really scared to show people. Showed them to a couple people and like in like a couple months. It was weird. I went from like no one really knowing me at high school to like people like looking at me like oh, you know he's that I mean? good. I had I had like mini fame in high school. Uh-huh. Uh but yeah, that kind of helped started I like I started getting shows after that, like professional shows. Uh-huh. And uh Yeah, it just kind of went from there and then I ended up getting signed um right after high school. Mhm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you say you were a shy person otherwise? Like how Yeah. Right? Would you say that it's like that the, all that fame and if if fame ever comes to me, I have a feeling I can handle it very well to an extent. Yeah. I'm I'm good with being able to manipulate through crowds and navigate through stuff like that. Oh, I'm know? sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, that makes sense. But would you say you were the kind of a person who was taken aback by all that fame? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess fame in my situation is a strong word, but mm-hmm. like mini fame, even mini, mini fame, fame. Yeah, and high school mini fame is a lot of fame because the, the environment is so just like condensed, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like that's your world at that point, and everybody knows me suddenly from yeah. being. How, how did that work? Well, I mean, honestly, I think I probably enjoy it. I mean, I, yeah, I, it's it's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, it's weird, but I've gotten used to it because like. I'm in the business of attracting attention in a way. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I absolutely And I guess do. now we all are. Right. You With know? Instagrams and cleavages and Lamborghinis we're all in there. Yes, right. in one way or the other. Yeah, so mm-hmm. so I'm I'm much more comfortable with it now. To the point where like sometimes if it's not there after a show, if like I'm not getting that attention, I'm like, okay, what did I do wrong? Did right. I not did I not perform well? Right. Did I, you know, are right. the songs not working? Uh-huh. So now it's like it's like a litmus test. Uh-huh. In a way, it's like okay, how much attention does something get? Mm-hmm. Even if it's just Spotify plays or Right. whatever. Have you heard of the um, the 27 Club? Kurt yeah. Cobain, Amy Winehouse, Jim Morrison, yeah, of course. right? And I I've heard a lot of people talk about it both in a philosophical and a psychological sense and I call it the sins of the child artist, 
right it's getting mm. famous too soon mm. and what that does is um oftentimes i mean i get the fact that 2 years ago my mind still operated in so much more of a monkey sense than in a human sense yeah. you know like i i understand that i'm still growing up and i do not have a grasp of reality yeah and to be put through what justin bieber was put through at yeah. 14 he's hyper famous and half the world hates his guts yeah. right to to be put through in some sense what you got put through is you were suddenly this object of attention and you don't even know how to be properly much less manage all this attention yeah, yeah, yeah. uh do you think there is a, a such thing as being famous too soon yeah 100% man and what do you think are its implications like what what does that do to somebody well i mean i think i can only speak from my experience but like so when i was 18 i got signed to a major label mm-hmm. and got kind of like shuffled around through that system mm-hmm. and for me at 18 i just didn't know how to handle it mm-hmm. so like i like for someone like Justin Bieber i can't even i can't even imagine what that does to your brain man. right with all the hatred i have for him i have sympathy on the other end oh i love Justin Bieber yeah i yeah on, i think should shut right. the show off <laughs> <laughs> no 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 i get that man like, i mean he's he's a successful music music artist and i have no doubt in the market's ability to sort that out. He did good. He did yeah, well yeah, for himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. I also understand this weird fetishized hate that people have for him. It's like and I think part of it has to do with the fact that he got famous, very famous. Every woman loved him. Yeah. All the girls loved him and yeah. that's why I think men hate him somewhere secretly as well. It's because he suddenly course, no facial hair but all the women regardless. Yes. Yes. Right. But uh you you said you did, were not competent enough or like mature enough at 18 to manage through this world of labels and and this world of production yeah. studios. Yeah. What does that what does that exactly mean? If- well, I wasn't so like w- when I got signed I was like kind of sent around to different songwriters in Nashville and New York and Los Angeles and like the goal was to write the hit song. Uh-huh. And when I was 18, I just like I'm I rebelled against that idea. Uh-huh. You know, I right. was like kind of uh Yeah, I was just like anti that. Uh-huh. And I wanted to like I was so interested in finding what was true to myself. Right. That I any any like any time I'd write with these songwriters, I felt like I was being creatively pushed in ways that I into places I didn't want to go. Uh-huh. And formulaic places. Uh-huh. So in hindsight, I should have been a little bit more mature about that. Uh-huh. I think I was like kind of still thinking with a teenage brain brain mm-hmm. it know? does not sound very teenage to me though you know like as a teenage i would trade my self respect for popularity that's what my teenage experience is like interesting yeah you know? i'd be like fine if you put me on stage with ed sheeran okay yeah hell yeah whatever you want i'll strip you yeah. know um interesting yeah 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 but well i think i think that that makes sense so i think maybe it's mature in some way but it also was i also wasn't really were you stubborn about it is that what you mean the i was answer? stubborn yeah you were like, stubborn. i'm not going to budge no matter what Uh-huh. I walked out of some sessions. Mm-hmm. Uh that must have been very very I don't know animated. It was very empowering own. actually. Yeah. But uh, yeah. what do you mean explain to me how empowering that was? Well just like I I don't know cuz I was 18. There was one there was one in Nashville where they put me with like this country guy mm-hmm. and like I, I Tomer makes fun of me. He calls me a country musician. Uh-huh. musician. But I don't like Tomer. You are a G man. You caught him right in his act. <laughs> but I don't country actually play country. <laughs> But uh so it was I was with a country guy and I just like he was like super not engaged. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like it, you're going into a work setting mm-hmm. when you're writing a song with someone and he was just like he was like sitting like this and like had his glasses on inside. Uh-huh. 
and you know i was like dude i'm out uh-huh. like i'm gonna go yeah and he and he was like all right man i mean if you know if that's what you want to do right. it was very empowering but but also like it was a tough situation because i there's just a lot of players when you're signed when you're signed to a label there's just like a lot of Interest. Interested parties and more. Yeah, yeah, right. which is which is not a bad thing. It's like I'm not I'm not anti-label, but for where I was at that time, uh-huh. it was just it wasn't what I needed. It must also like swimming through the mud of too much interest, and I don't mean interest just on the part of public, but interest in the various various components of interest that come in. So that is the fans, that is the other musicians you're playing with, there's the recording artist, there's the recording studio, the, all these. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be one of the most monumental tasks to accomplish as a musician at the age of 18, and I'm sure it has an impact of on you not being able to devote as much time and energy to your music as such, right? Like yeah, that, it would have had that impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, honestly, what it did is just made me overthink everything. Uh-huh. Because in a paranoid way, no, not not well, maybe paranoid, mm-hmm. but but more in just like a, you know, I don't know. When you're writing a song, man, it's like the goal is to like get to the truth, the core of what you do and what you're trying to say and who mm-hmm. you are. And when there's a bunch of opinions that you're also filtering in, mm-hmm. if that's in your, it's just it can be difficult to get to that like right. authentic place in your art. Mm-hmm. So so. I don't know. That, yeah, that was my experience. There, there was a there was a TED talk I heard once about creativity and 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 the the art of creative expression. Uh-huh. Um, I don't remember who said that. I will try and paraphrase it. I hope I don't butcher it. Was it a lady? I think so. Okay. I think so. Elizabeth uh, Gilbert. Possibly. Eat, pray, love. No. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. Sorry. Sorry. But go ahead. tell me if the story sounds familiar. And the, yeah. and the and the whole and the whole thing was that she said that in traditional in native cultures all across the world there is a very contoured notion that there is a creative spirit that inhabits you while you start writing something ah, creative. Yeah. Have you heard of that one? Yeah. And so. and then she talks about this one woman who would uh, say that poetry would only come to her when a spirit would come, and she could feel the spirit coming from afar. Yes. And this one time she was working in the fields. Yes. And, and she, she feels, runs. Right. And she runs, and the spirit's coming. Yeah. And as soon as she grabs a paper and a pen, and the spirit enters her, she writes the poem backwards. Wow. And that blew my mind. Yeah. Um. And that made yeah. me made me realize <coughs> that the. the and I use the I use the term divinity a lot more loosely than the religious sense, but the mm-hmm. divinity that goes into the creative process, yeah, especially for for people like you and for other artists that I support. I had uh, a rapper on my podcast a while ago. His name's Nakab. In in, in India, hip hop is just yeah. it's just like a bubble bursting right now. Yeah, um, wow, cool. And I I always feel partly due to because I can relate to them. I am some sort of an artist in the sense of a struggling artist myself. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah very much so. It. It, it takes more if you do it right it takes more divine spark to create the right product at our level or or I think I'm still like five levels behind you but like at our level then it takes for somebody like say somebody who's at the top right you know somebody like Justin Bieber because they have more resources yeah they have more leverage they have more social leverage they can almost under oversell an under underproduced product oh you know what 100%. I mean 100% yeah 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 no that's I'll, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like we're we're in the, both of us in our own realms are in probably the hardest part of the journey. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This these first steps. Mm-hmm. And I would be a little hesitant to compare myself to you at all because I think I'm at least ten stages behind where you are. But in in some sense, I do get okay. what you mean. Okay. It's like it's like this. Um, 
it's the 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 wrestling match has just only begun yeah right? yeah yeah exactly and it's not exactly. where we can be like oh, now we can rest yeah. this is where you just fight yeah. right but along the same lines i want to ask you how what's your what are your music inspirations what is it that you listen to yeah. when you when you have the time to you know i mean i'm i'm just always listening to stuff but uh man i listen to so much music that it's almost difficult to answer that question uh-huh. but off the top of your head what who would you pick say the top 3 artists in your head so like i've been listening to charlie xcx a mm-hmm. lot do you know her no she's like she's cuz she's like a pop star mm-hmm. i think you mentioned her the last time we were speaking yeah yep, yeah right, right. but she's she's just super dope she's like a cool spin on a pop star right uh and she's an incredible songwriter so uh-huh. that, that's why i love, I love how she puts a song together mm-hmm. uh who else have been listening to you recently came out with uh, Leonard Cohen's Hotel Chelsea yeah, number 2 yeah so yeah i've been li- i got really into Leonard Cohen this summer right so i've been working my way through his records right cuz his stuff is like you have to really focus mm-hmm. to 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 get the meaning out of it mm-hmm. cuz he's he's a poet before he's oh, a he's songwriter oh he's a poet for real yeah. bro yeah oh, have you heard recitation by Leonard Cohen thousand kisses deep uh uh-uh. uh it's oh, called you- recitation yep it's just a poem Ah. It's the most meaningful communication of love in English. You know I've what? Ever, mm-hmm. I think I have read that. Mm-hmm. A Thousand Kisses Deep. Yep. And he repeats that line. Yep. Yeah, he says, yeah. I came to you this morning and you handled me like meat. It takes a man to know how good that feels. Yeah. My mirror twin, my next of kin, I'd know you in my sleep. But who but you would let me in? A Thousand Kisses Deep. Dude, all of that. It's, I still get goosebumps every time I think about that poem. Yeah. I remember it by... By the heart. Oh man, dude, nice uh-huh. work. Yeah, that's a that's a feat to to remember a poem. Uh, I used to be a poet a, a uh, very long time ago, uh, cool, a very long cool, time cool. ago in another life. So it's poetry it just speaks to me in a different way. Yeah, man. but you know what that makes me think about you listening to a lot of artists. I understand how difficult it is to put together orig- originality when you listen to a variety. Yeah, right. Yeah, like yeah. when you mentioned, she has she's a great songwriter and she puts her song together very interestingly. Charlie XCX, yeah, right? Yeah. I know because I listen to say eight different podcasters or eight different conversationalists or eight different intellectuals, and I know mm-hmm. the styles. Mm-hmm. Something people from the outside might not realize. And then what is mine has to emerge from somewhere. Totally, within. totally, totally. How do you know what is yours? Where Where is it that Zach comes in once he's listened to this variety all over the place? Yeah. Um. That's that's pretty that that reminds me it's just like when you when you're in something when you're in some world you do see deeper mm-hmm. into you see deeper patterns than most people might see. Right. Yeah. So I mean uh but what what is Zach? I mean for me like I feel I'm always trying to like tweak what I'm doing cuz like if I write the same song twice like it's it's boring to me so I'm mm-hmm. like hopefully I'm always what Zach is is always kind of changing mm-hmm. but like yeah, I don't know. I let me like ask you. Let me reframe that question. Yeah, that might be able to help you. Yeah, my question is more to the effect of: if you listen to as much variety of music, and mm-hmm. let's you mm-hmm. let's use genres to simplify the category, right? Yeah, so yeah. you listen to singer songwriter stuff. You listen to techno. You listen to hip hop. You listen to pop. You listen to all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. How do you know what you will make? How do you know what my music will be? Whether I'm going to make techno, or whether I'm going to do house, or whether I'm going to do songwriter stuff. How do you know that? Well, I mean, I think I think. Honestly, man, it's I'm pretty all over the place with that. Like, like, uh-huh. and that's that's kind of like a modern thing that, like, if you talk to people today in the music industry, a lot of them say genres dead uh-huh. because a lot of like big records are just like 
this song has pop feel this song has singer songwriter feel this song has hip hop feel so so I feel like today you have a lot of freedom to kind of jump around genre wise mm-hmm. um, but for me it kind of always comes back to the acoustic guitar mm-hmm. and for me I think I play very rhythmically mm-hmm. like my I didn't learn to play in a very traditional way so like my style is very much myself mm-hmm. um, I think so um, so yeah I mean for me it it all kind of just centers back around the acoustic guitar. Would you think, would you say this is a good enough point for us to uh, have you play something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're fine with that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I'll play something. Let's see, what do you, what do you think you'll play? Um, I'll do a new one. Okay. A new one. Something that isn't out yet? Not out. Oh, hell yeah! Very I get cool. that privilege? Yeah, no yeah. fucking <laughs> way, bro. That's so dope. This is, uh, this is one I'm pretty stoked about. Um, and this is from your new album? This will be on the new record. Yeah. I want to talk about that too. I'm very interested. Cool, cool. Um, Wait a second. Do you have your phone on you? Yeah. I, I would want to get a video for, for our social media as well. We're at it too. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Because my phones are busy recording, you know. Yeah. Uh, Alright, this one's called Waves. <laughs> You'll be able to hear this. Yeah. One hit, feel high, one more, and then I slip so easily. She said, sit back, don't hold tight, let yourself go in the moonlight. Tell me what you see. It comes in waves. so much short snippet there I always find myself so awkward when somebody's playing music because I don't know what to do because I can definitely me too man (laughs) yeah I can at the most just be like you know just like give a rhythm to it but at that at the best I'm like okay yes I but it's phenomenal honestly I was drawn into it um, thank you mate and I hope and I hope people who listen to this know where to buy the next album that comes out oh yeah I mean it'll be on the Spotify webs yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but I remember and this is this is something I've been 
sort of getting at myself too. When people ask me how I I whip up conversations for my podcast or generally, yeah. I tell them that there, it is never a unidirectional. It's not formulaic. It's never really formulaic. It's a sandbox. Yeah. And the way I see the sandbox is I accumulate treasures and jewels and, and, and little pearls and, and diamonds and whatever I find everywhere I go. Yeah. There is always a book to be read. If you're close, if you, if you look close enough to find a book in every situation, mm-hmm. there is always knowledge. And then they sort of blend together in this smoothie this 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 aroma of a conversation that I build up afterwards. Yeah. And you mentioned that you are very fond of, or you worked in gardening. You you would do landscaping at some yeah. point, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you studied literature at Columbia. Uh, yeah, pretty much. But mm-hmm. I, I studied creative writing. Creative writing but at Columbia. It's pretty much you study literature. Yeah, you study literature <laughs> and then you try to replicate some. Right? Yeah, exactly. How exactly. does that add to your artistic content? How does that work? I mean. Are you talking about the gardening and literature or like, and all of or, that together? Or, or, or tertiary activities that you find yourself a part of. All passions that you have besides music. How do they come together in your music? Got you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, dude, man, they, they come together very... It's very connected. Mm-hmm. Like, I have... I mean, I have a song called The Garden. Mm-hmm. I have a song called The Harvest. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I, I... Everything kind of all filters into the same place mm-hmm. for me. Uh... And uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm always trying to communicate ideas. I feel like I commu- try to communicate ideas as a writer would or a short story writer or mm-hmm. something like that. So I don't know. Man. Is that a, is that a act one, act two, act three in your music as well? Is that, hmm, does that's that interesting. Um, I'd say like on my new record, it's very, I try to really create like a thread mm-hmm. that goes throughout the whole thing. Right. So I think I treated my new record as someone might treat a book of short stories mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. that were all interrelated somehow. Right. You know? Right. No, no, I, I got There's it. There's a that. narrative. Yes. Oh. Uh, I, I found things that I'm interested in and say, for instance, I am thoroughly fascinated by this movement culture workout regime that I now do, you know, with the guy, the Israeli yeah, guy. Yeah, the, the, the Israeli guy's philosophy is, is what mm, is being taught mm. by his mentorship students here in New York. And shout out to NYC Movement Corporation. You guys are doing a phenomenal job. Um, and there is this, this sense of integration uh-huh. that they come about with. And this integration is sort of this easy progression, right? There is an architecture to it if you see it from afar, which is okay. that um, all your body parts will be used in every almost everything that you do, mm-hmm. but we will slowly build them up from the very basic. So first would be ankle mobilization, let's just say. Uh-huh. Then we would do something like calves and all the all the peripheral muscles in the calf, right? Yeah. And then we would suddenly start moving like a lizard, let's just say, right? So it slowly mm-hmm. builds like that. And I found that autumn, this structure translates into my conversation, Yeah. right? I don't know if this happens for you and tell me if it does, but there is gardens are a piece of beauty. There is a poem. Oh my gosh, this poem I was reminded by by Rumi. Mm-hmm. And I might butcher it, but this is my favorite poem of all time. Yeah. Rumi says, Come to the garden in spring. There is wine and flowers and little somethings on pomegranate trees. Something, I'm missing the word. Yeah. He says, Come to the garden in spring. There is light and flowers and wine on pomegranate trees. Something like that. If you do come, they do not matter. If you don't come, they do not matter. And it's it sort of speaks for this this dichotomy of beauty. One in the object of love, which yeah. if it comes, it does not matter. Which if they do not come, they do not matter. And then in the in ah, the inherent nature of the beautiful. garden itself, yeah, right. Like the you you may or may not come. The garden is still as beautiful. Still there, yeah. right? 
um, and I I've always found gardens to be this this symbol of this object of sheer beauty. My mother's maintained a garden as long as I've known her. She's loved it. Yeah. She's she's almost never home because she works in a different city, but she has to take care of the garden. Yeah. And I'm sure the flowers speak in your music. There's a contour of beauty that you draw from your garden. Is that the 100%. case? Hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I, again, like like I'm attracted to gardens and plants and forests and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So much. I mean, one, because I love it and it's beautiful, but also because there's so many, there's a lot of juicy metaphors Mm -hmm. that you can take from the garden, Uh you know, just like the Rumi poem, you know, and there's just this, I love the idea of growth. And like when you're, when you're working in a garden, you're very sensitive to how everything is growing and how different plants grow differently. It's a sensitive ecosystem for sure. Very sensitive, man. And that's why it's honestly, I I don't have a green thumb. (laughs) I'm like, I think it takes, I know some people naturally have that, like maybe your mom, but Mm -hmm. for me, my ideal is to have a garden so I can like take the time to develop a green thumb. Mm -hmm. But that's, it's such a sensitive thing that it takes a lot of time. Have you ever been a fan of Eddie Vedder? Oh yeah, yeah. Have you heard his soundtrack for Into the Wild? Yeah, that's one my of my jam. favorite albums of all time, man. It's amazing. Yeah. And I and I and I don't know if the world uses it, but I think me and my friend would call it something akin to a forest rock kind of a stuff, right? There was this this very jungleish, this very foresty feel to the entire album that he creates. Totally, man. In one of the songs, he just, I think it's guaranteed. I think the song's called Guaranteed, and he just stops. Because the movie's going on and the song stops, but he literally just in the album, he stops for a minute and a half. There is no music. It's silent. It's like the album went dead. And then it suddenly begins, you know, and it's, it's sort of like the way the jungle feels to me. It has all these surprises that you don't really see coming. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if he spent time, like, you know, actors do method actors. Mm. They spend time in those isolated moments too. Heath Ledger did that for the Joker. Yeah. You know? That's a dude. That's a good question mm-hmm. because that that record, if I like you call it forest rock. Uh-huh. That's like spot on. Oh that's really? Like, no, I'm just saying. Like, oh, oh, my experience you. of the mm-hmm. record. That's mm-hmm. like a spot on name for and the genre. And he does, does that with the ukulele, and that's it, right? The entire album. Uh, no, that, that that one has no. It has some songs with like full band uh-huh. and stuff. Right, right, right. But that that guarantees the famous song, right? Yep, guaranteed. Yeah. And um, into the night or long nights, something like that. Okay. Long nights remind. Me to see I'm falling. Have you heard that one? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We should listen yeah. to that album once and get high right. sometime. It sounds wonderful. Bro, that... <laughs> yes, okay, high five, man. I'm so down for that. It sounds wonderful. Um, and you had also referred to um, the, the, the early fame and the, and, the, and the temperament that you had with respect to that, the fact that you would not budge with your artistic desire, even though there was pressure from these variety of... Variety of, um, of influences these interests that you had yeah. and i always wondered because that yeah. is something my friends do to me they would ask me more often than not hey you should you know dilute your content you should speak in a in a, in a, in a fashion everybody understands your metaphors are too obscure and i've always resisted the urge personally i've been like hey listen man if people want to get me they'll get to me what do you think about this tension between the artistic desire and the market demand for dilution man i mean i'm honestly i'm i'm in the process of figuring that out. That tension exists. Yeah, the mm-hmm. tension very much exists. Mm-hmm. Where you know? would you earn that? What what side would you... Where would I guess? fall? Yeah, where, where would you guess you would want to fall? Like, wh- what, what side would you make the error on? Would you be pro-artistic desire or pro-market pro dilution? 
Because on one end, there is this phenomena of, say, Mumford & Sons, who came up with this very new sound, very, yeah. very novel sound. And then yeah. there is all this, every pop artist wanting to make the next Despacito. Yeah, yeah, Because it yeah. has that primal hook element to yeah, it, yeah, right? Yeah. So w- what side would you rather see yourself on? I mean, I definitely fall on the artistic side, mm-hmm. 100%. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited by people expressing themselves as best as they possibly can, mm-hmm. you know? And when that happens in a really, you know, well-done well, well done way, mm-hmm. those are the artists that I connect with the most. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm whether it's in podcasts, whether it's in music. Right. So I think I think the artistic sense is really important. Mm-hmm. I'm also a stubborn person. So like when people give me suggestions, I usually at first, when I first hear them, I'm like, no. <laughs> Everything in me just reacts and says, no. Yeah. I'm not taking that suggestion. Right. But How dare someone tell me what to do? Yeah, but usually over time... <laughs> I like start to see the wisdom in whatever suggestion they were getting, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm like, I'm kind of like when when someone gives you a suggestion and they say you should do this, mm-hmm. like I'm like starting to really be turned off by the word should, mm-hmm. because like I just think, I think we're all on our own artistic paths in ways, mm-hmm. even if we're not artists, and like, I don't know how much art we should be throwing out suggestions to other people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's helpful. I do you know what I mean? I do, I do, I do. And this is a conversation I got into with my with my friends back in India this time. I was like, listen, this is the way I do it. I simplify the process. You and I can sit down and talk about my podcast for 20 minutes and we can yeah. walk through first say the good parts of my podcast, the neutral parts of my podcast and the bad parts of my podcast and then you will give me one minute of the harshest criticism that you have for me. Mm, right? So let's start with that. Okay. Tell me the worst possible thing that this podcast is, you know, once you do that, then I know really as to where, what the direction of your criticism might go. Because I know the good things about my stuff. I'm very much in acknowledgement. What am I blind to? Tell me what am I harshly, willingly, consciously blind to? Totally. So start with that. And then I see with say five, 10 people, if there's a contour, if there's a line I can draw. So you yes. tell me, hey, you speak too fast. People don't get what you're saying. Okay. Right. Or you say your audio is not particularly proper. I get a bad sound when I try to listen to it. Maybe one person said that. Maybe your earphones are bad. But if five people tell me that, there is a common contour I can draw and then work on it. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I think what I do what I do is like I actively ask people that I trust <laughs> what are my blind spots, mm-hmm. like what am I not seeing? Because mm-hmm. I think that's very helpful. But I think I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like when I'm giving advice or critique to my music musician friends. Mm-hmm. I'm very, I just try to be as supportive as I possibly can, knowing that as they create more art, as they do more, whatever it is, they will naturally grow. Mm -hmm. So me saying, hey, you should do this, Mm -hmm. doesn't, I I don't think it helps their growth. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. I do. But I do think harsh criticism is very good. I think um, the problem with the should phraseology is the assumption that there is a right. And if yeah, history yeah, has ever taught exactly. us something as far as the artistic domain or even for that matter, any domain remains is that the right is yet to be decided. Yeah. It's a retrospective analysis of what was right. Never a prospective 100%. analysis, right? Yeah. So what what is mostly happen happening when people are like, oh, you should do so and so or you should do so and so is them projecting what they would want to listen to, what they think is appropriate onto me. Yes. So that's not my artistic desire. Right. So exactly. Right. I we, want to, I want to complicate shit for you. Yeah, Let's yeah, see yeah, if you yeah. figure it out. Like, that's just, that's just me, right? Yeah. Um, I think a better way to begin is you could also 
right that makes yeah, yeah, the yeah. other person more comfortable to adjust yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. i'm a, i'm a, i'm a, i'm harsh on myself i'm harsh on everybody around me if yeah. i ever have to have to give you advice i'd be like you could do that but don't listen to me you could also do that but don't listen to me mm. i'm reminding you of both the sides mm, i'm absolutely stupid but i also have the slight suggestion that might be helpful to you yes right yes. but don't listen to me i'm constantly reminding uh, people but don't listen to me i'm stupid i don't know your art i have no idea about music you know because then you allow what you do when you do that is you allow them to explore it for themselves right what what strings with your heart what works with you yeah exactly is it the latter part of me being stupid or the first part of me being smarter what is it well, that you, you give want? them the choice yes 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 yeah, i yeah. put both on the table and continuously yeah i think that's very wise i I've, i've learned that because people this one time i released a political podcast Uh-oh. such a mistake i mean i still do that but this one time i released a podcast about india's politics and i got calls and messages from all sorts of people telling me i was extremely left leaning akin to a communist and i was extremely right leaning akin to a fascist and i was like both of them cannot be the how can you make like how can you say that that's how subjective it all is right. man and yeah. i was like okay i can't yeah. listen to y'all you fucking people <laughs> you mean nothing to me dude exactly that's so that's the thing i was like i was i was like showing people my new songs and everything mm-hmm. and i would like i would get the entire spectrum of opinions uh-huh. some people would say this is the best stuff you've ever put out this is the worst shit you've ever made you know and so at some point i was like dude i can't even like make I sense can't make sense of that many opinions so like i don't know I'm just going to keep moving forward right. you know and like i think a lot of the kinks in whatever you're doing get worked out through action mm-hmm. through making more music through doing more podcasts whatever it is so so uh i don't know man but there is that has to be the the process of action that you mention is like a feedback loop mechanism i do something i throw it out and the world throws something back at me yeah. right yeah, yeah, yeah. um and that feedback loop mechanism has so if my friends are not the feedback loop right yeah. if if say if i tell you hey you should do this you're like you're not the audience i'm creating for you know my audience is is the middle western you know typically white redneck whatever right xyz abc or it's the yeah. east it's a west coast thing man it's not an east coast thing at all oh it's a 40 year old thing it's not a 20 year old thing at all right yeah 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 um say if that is the case where is it that the feedback lies does it lie in the number of hits that you get on spotify and youtube does it lie where does it lie does it lie in the comment section on youtube and soundcloud where uh-huh. are you really looking for that feedback personally because yeah. that's I'm, something i haven't been able to answer okay okay yeah i mean i get it Uh, the the most direct way is i get it during shows mm-hmm. so like that's how i test out if songs are working mm-hmm. is if if a song is consistently working and that doesn't mean every show cuz like i i might have written the best song in the world but it might not hit every show cuz there's so many factors you just don't like you know someone's football team might have lost that day and they're angry and they come to the show you know so there's all these factors Damn, that i'm not in your control of hard. yeah 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 So 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 I'll play a song and if it's working most of the time then I know I got something good. That's that's a really nice way of getting feedback. Spotify plays, that stuff does help, mm-hmm. but a lot of Spotify I think is pretty political. Uh-huh. I'm actually that's actually something I don't know a lot about is like how the algorithms work. Uh-huh. Cuz like technically if you put out the best song in the world, it should get traction. on Spotify right right i don't know if it's I an actually, absolute meritocracy right if it absolutely is screened exactly, for the best exactly exactly and i mean it's political in what sense well i just think there's relationships that the labels have 
with Spotify uh-huh. or labels have with the people who curate the playlists. Uh-huh. The, I think the people who curate those playlists have a lot of power these right. days. Um, right. Like hip, what was it? Rap caviar? Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, like like whoever is like picking the songs to put on that is getting calls from every artist you can imagine because those spaces and are, that person's a nobody otherwise or is it Spotify that's doing that I always thought there were Spotify albums man I I kind of think I think there's a mix of Spotify making playlists and random outside people. random people who are probably making a killing damn man you know what I mean can you imagine just like oh I have a great listening music taste and exactly. so I'm gonna make a fuck ton of money out of that it's like it's like eating pizza to make money you know smoking pot to make money I just know what pot feels like (laughs) all of us do shut the fuck up you know (laughs) Uh, but there is this um, there is this quote by I think it was Chance the rapper and I think I knew of the quote before we met but you put the the person behind it yeah right and he says the market does not really know what it's what it wants I agree with that. Right? Like, the market is... What it wants is something fresh. That's what they'll tell you. Oh, his sound's fresh. Before everybody's jumping on the bandwagon and like, oh, this guy's great. Right? What do you think about that? What do you think about the chance, the chance the rapper model of working your way up, which is this absolutely independent, I'm going to give the people what they don't know they want, but they do want kind of thing. Man, I think that's... That confidence is admirable. Is bullshit admirable. You know what I mean? <laughs> I yeah. know, man. So, so... Yeah, man. I think I think it's I think it's kind of the way to go, um, especially before because honestly, if you choose to go to to a label or not, mm-hmm. building building your career as big as you possibly can on your own with the tools you have will put you in a better position if you want to sign up with the label. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. You have the flexibility then. Yeah, exactly. And if you choose not to sign with a label, then you know how to run your business. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Because you've, 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 uh, you've done it. Right. Um, but yeah, I agree. I agree with the, the market doesn't know what the, what the market wants. Right. And what do you think about this independent form of, um, of putting yourself out there? You th- Be- because I sure as hell like see substance in that. I think um, that would be the best case scenario for any kind of an artist would be if they're standing on their own two feet and they don't need... Here's what I think. I think the label, the production house, the 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 HBOs and the NPRs and the iHeartRadios and all of these conglomerates, all of these high corporate yes. power accumulating entities are seeing yes. a downfall. I think all artistic medium are going through this rapid process. They've always been, but the process has been hastened now with internet and, and, and it's and it's the Spotify's and the Netflix's of the world of democratization, mm-hmm. right? People are getting the power back into their hands. It's like, uh, you want to be a musician? Oh, you have to go sign with that label. But guess what? Now you have Spotify, host your music. Let's allow people a chance to decide. You know, mm-hmm. this this is what it is. Market demand deciding for itself. It's it's this absolute process of democratization. There were radios. People like me had to be on radios to do this, or on television, pretending like they knew what they were talking about. Even now, this talking heads phenomena is quite kind of irritating to me on news channels where everybody's an expert. I'm not an expert. I don't pretend to be. I pretend to have honest conversations, yeah. right? Um, and it's a process of democratization. The very fact I can say I'll just have an authentic conversation and make a livelihood out of that is stupid 20 years ago yeah right yeah um, unless you had a tv show right yes exactly <laughs> unless you were david letterman yeah, yeah now i think all that is dying 
I I agree. But mm-hmm. I agree but I I mean, yeah. Okay. Right? And I think um and I think Chance the Rapper was a manifestation of that. That's this independent form of creating your own self. 100%. Gary Vaynerchuk, I have a lot of respect for that dude. Yeah, me too. I think he's a visionary. Oh, me too, and man. And anybody who hates him and people I meet people often enough like, oh, him. Yeah. I'm like you just hating, bro. Like yeah. that guy speaking some and he tells you all the time he's like people don't know yet what they want. Yeah. Right? It's it's He's very wise, man. He's, he is. And yeah, he's aggressively wise. There's very few people who are aggressively wise. I'm a big fan of Gary. Right? Um and then there is this comedian that I put you um in 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 in, in I put him in spotlight for you with his name's Andrew Schulz. I don't know if you yeah, follow. Yeah. Yeah, Have yeah. you seen the the one thing that he does with fashion? It's fashion. No. Do you don't follow him yet? No, so no. this guy goes everywhere and yeah. he has this one simple f- uh fundamental uh thing about him. He's like there's nothing off the table when it comes to joking. Yes. Right? Yes, I like that, this about him. Yeah. None nobody gave him a special. So he drafted his own special, put it up on YouTube. This guy started fucking and then he's called to Russia, he will go to Russia crack Putin jokes. Wow. Right? He would nice. go to Russia crack crack Chernobyl jokes. He's like for the rest of the world it's climate change. For Russians it's Chernobyl. Right? Uh, he would do something like that. And yeah. there's an active translator who's translating his jokes that was not everybody gets English, but he would do that. And then he broke the system literally by vlogging his entire process. Mm. So he'll be in the airplane, he'll get a log of that. He'll be in the taxi cracking a joke with his friends and then from there it'll lead to his special. It sounds he, like Gary V. It sounds like philosophy. Gary V. Yeah, he had an entire special of just crowd work. Wow. Where he's just dissing people in the crowd. 45 minutes and he launched it the same day as Dave Chappelle's special on Netflix. Wow, nice. Nice. Right? That speaks for something. Yeah. It does. Well, I mean, and it's happening. I I agree, man. Yeah. You, I, do, do you see that have you have you been in have you been say in touch with people who've managed to, you know, make it around the labels and the production houses for themselves? Do I know anybody who's done I'm trying to think of musicians I know that. You know, honestly, I ha- I don't know anybody personally who has cuz like most of the bands I've toured with and stuff mm-hmm. are on labels. Mhm are still in that system. Mm-hmm. So, um this breaking the system hasn't really been a phenomena as much in music probably. No, the system is broken <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> for sure. It's been broken. But <laughs> but I think I think independent artists are still trying to figure out how they can get mm-hmm. they can still get some of the power that the labels had right. behind them. Mm-hmm. Which is I think we're in this kind of awkward transition in the music industry where people are trying to figure out how to do it. So honestly, like there's there's the labels are becoming more flexible. Mm-hmm. So it might not be like other other the labels might adapt is what you're saying. I think the labels are are in the process of adapting. Uh-huh. Um, like there's 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 this company I really like called United Masters uh-huh. where like they if they decide to work with you. Uh-huh. They'll take like a song. Let's say you have a song that has hit potential or whatever. They'll take a song and they'll work it. They'll work it like a, a, a label would with promotion and all that stuff. But they will only take percentage of your money for a certain period of time, uh-huh. which is actually innovative. Right. The labels, they would take a percentage of your money for the rest of your life. Past, past, past death. that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's kind of weird. So, so uh-huh. I don't know. I still think the labels have some some good power, mm-hmm. but um, 
change is coming. There is a transition that's happening. And yeah, and and Chance the Rapper is like the forebearer of that transition. Man, he just he was the army that really pushed pushed through that and mm-hmm. showed us what can be done. You By know. just sheer talent and will and grit and whatnot. Yeah, I think right? for him, man, a lot of grit, dude. Right. I think he works his ass off. I'm so sure, man. Yeah. Um, even, like, for that matter, I'm a fan of break the system kind of a thing. I tell people, people come to me often, and I don't know if it's just my delusion, but I will see a particular person and be like, listen, your personality is sellable. In the future, everything's going to be personal branding. Sell your right? personality. Yes. People want to watch somebody like you. You are entertaining. Yes. And I tell this to Jugnu all the time. You, I feel this about you 100%, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. I, it's, it's, a repl- it's a replication. It's a projection of my own understanding of myself on people. Yes. Um, I, you, there is people who, who literally, I get texts, ask, I have reviews on my Apple podcast asking, people asking me to bring Jugnu on my podcast. I have people nonstop asking me who this crazy motherfucker is. Nonstop. And he's a crazy person. If you know him well enough, you'd realize that he works on a... If this is a regular room for us, for him, it's a discotheque. Yeah, yeah. And everything's uh-huh. in disco. Like, that. that's how different it is for him. And I yeah. tell him, your personality is so sellable. Yeah. Everything's... You know, if you put Joe Rogan on anything, I will buy it. Yeah. That's the power of personal branding. Yes. And people need to get on that as soon as they can. That's my view. 15 years down the line, 20 years down the line. If you start now, you are one of the forebearers of that motion. Yeah. What's well, crazy, I mean, yeah, it's crazy that you think now... Because I would have thought that, like, you would have had to get on that train 10 years ago. Uh-huh. But I think you're right, man. I think... I mean, I think that's the Gary Vee philosophy. Is like, there's so much it's a big real game. estate mm-hmm. in... in Just in... Uh, yeah, man. It's like, there's a lot of room for everyone to... Mm-hmm to sell themselves it's a huge cake especially for artists it's not like if say you and I are competing artists if somebody listens to you they won't listen to me yeah they listen to both of us exactly I put people I'm like start a podcast yeah like as soon as people listen to you they'll they'll want to listen to me too because they if they find out we are related if you're friends 100% what that's going to do is they listen I mean I don't that's not a competition this is a cooperative motion for me yeah and I'm going to build PG Radio or Prakhar Gupta on one and you build Zach Hackendorf yeah 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 and it'd be great for the both of us it won't be we all help each other no man that's dude that's that's the place to be Uh is a place free of envy or anything you're just like you want your people to succeed right and you want to succeed and you know, right. it's a great place to be in. Tell me what's what's uh, what's important for you in the music you make or you listen to. What's really like the essence of the music you like, whether the one that you make or whether the one that you listen to. Because you like pop yeah. music, and I have yeah. a diff with pop music. I think they operate on some sort of a psychological primal nature that we have. They they operate on very very how would you say? Base emotions like Despacito works not because it has great lyrics or great music. It has that hook yeah. that sort of gets to people, right? What is it that you like in music? Well, so I mean, I like a whole lot of different things. But like for in in the pop realm, I, first of all, I like authenticity. Mm-hmm. So like if if any if anyone is if I'm getting that authenticity from any artist, then I'll probably like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But I also like in the pop. You know, I like I said, I grew up on like. Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I love good hooks. Mm-hmm. I love catchiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's one reason I think te- I like techno so much is because it's the most repetitive m- music form. It's a, it's, a, it's a looped black hole of in, in the background. Yes. If it's playing, I don't even know if techno is playing right now. I can't tell. Do you, do you enjoy it? Oh, I love it, man. 
It's like I can it's tune a, in. Yeah. I can tune in and tune out whenever I want. Exactly. I can study and then I can be like... <laughs> you know what I mean? Do it totally. It, yeah. It's, it it's propels you. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that's what... I like repetition. Uh-huh. On, yeah. Honestly, that that's like my thing. It, so, so um, with pop music... That's why that's why I like pop music. I like good hooks, mm-hmm. you know. But but I also think there is smart intelligent pop music being made. Mm-hmm. It's just not it's usually it's never at the forefront or sometimes it pops out to the forefront, but usually it's just somewhere in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um do you think with the repetition, the idea of repetition you have, is it like um how would you say it? an iterated incremental repetition like say for instance if i go from a to b this one repetition mm-hmm. then the next one is a to b but b dash also like there is this one step forward i take with every repetition that i do that's very techno man i mean yeah. if you if you listen to a techno beat or how then this is very generalized uh-huh. but if you listen to a techno beat or even just a song that i make or whatever it's like uh-huh. It's one element. It's like, and then, yep, yep. So, yep. so it, yeah, it's all, it's it's the same loop, but little little things get peppered in. Have you heard of this artist called Satori? Yeah, why have I why have I heard of Satori? He's the kind of a guy Tomer likes. Uh, it's like deep house. Deep yeah, pack. yeah. I've definitely listened to his stuff. I Dude, I there, there is a. I think there's a Burning Man set that he has, or is that a Boiler Room set? I will have to look that up. Okay. But he has a one hour, 45 minute set. And yeah. he gives you the time to realize what you were just saying. Like he gives a layman the time to realize that. So for the first one minute, it's just one instrument. Yes. And then he adds a second instrument. And then he adds a third instrument. And like five minutes into it, it's a complicated cacophony of beautiful sounds. Yeah. Man. Right? I love that guy. If you ever get time, I'll give you some of the some of the artists I listen to. Tell me what you think about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I would like to see if I have any good taste in music. Well, that that's something I'm really attracted to in music is patience. Uh huh. Like that's that's why I'm I'm that's why I like techno so much is because like you can kind of you can be in it for a long time. It's like I'm in the I'm in the game of like 75 to 90 minute sets. Mm-hmm. If I'm headlining a show mm-hmm. and. I always feel like I'm playing like three to five minute songs, mm-hmm. you know, so it's these relatively short bits. I'm jealous of the techno people because of how patient they're audience. allowed to be mm-hmm. and and their audience is still like hooked to them hooked right. so like that's actually something I'm working on in my sets is uh-huh. like how do i how do I do that but like with an acoustic guitar how do i how do i how am I able to be more patient mm-hmm. um but, you know, with a different setup. That might be the breaking of the system moment for you, in my sense. Because, right. right? Because almost yeah. anybody, and take the best acoustic guitar acts that you have right now, right? And that could range from John Mayer to, what's that guy who wrote um, James Blunt and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. They have an average of four-minute music. Yeah, right? yeah. They And it's not because their music is so short. I think part of it is also the push of the market demand, which is that anything beyond this, man, you know, we're not going to listen. Mm-hmm. To discover a way to hold people on to your song for more than five minutes, if you start with that, you might probably be able to break the system. So imagine if you could create techno or the sounds of techno or the loops of techno with just an acoustic guitar and a few pedals. That yeah. would change the whole dynamic. No, I mean, that's that's honestly, that's my intention, man. Uh-huh. Is like, how how do I build, how do I bridge these worlds that I'm 
so attracted to. Right. I love Leonard Cohen, but I also love Fuck. Nicholas Jar. Oh my god, dude, that you know would be crazy. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it, honestly right now it's just kind of like a vision in my head. But right. Chase it like mad. Oh, hundred percent. Fight like mad. Hundred percent. My my the yeah. guy who I who I work out with my trainer. Um, he yeah. gave me this phrase recently and I've been saying that a lot to myself in the head I was trying to do this repetition and I could not do it and he's like fight like mad fight like mad fight like mad and I did that and I was like huh huh like I had no energy left in me my muscles were dead my muscles are still dead I'm gonna go work out today too because fight like mad fight like if you yeah, want yeah, something yeah, you know yeah. let's see you chase that I want to see because Nicholas Jar and Leonard Cohen both happen to be ah. two of my favorites too on like directly opposite spectrums word word yeah I've been I've been a thorough fan of, of both of them for the longest time yeah yeah but let me ask you this um, like mad what when you make music is that is there a more formulaic approach or a more sandbox approach to your stuff super sandbox yeah definitely sandbox but there is a formula to like yeah because it's like there's a formula to how most songs are written mm-hmm. it's usually verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus mm-hmm. that's that's like the normal structure of a song so i usually stick within that mm-hmm. but i would say the the sandbox approach comes in the lyrics mm-hmm. like i'm just like picking stuff out of anywhere do you know what i mean mm-hmm. i'm very free with how i where I let melody and lyrics come in. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? I kind of do. There is a notion, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's in fact empirical research by now, that creativity has a direct correlation with associated learning. Okay. How, how frequently can you jump from one tangent of thought to a different tangent of thought and then a third and then come back? Yeah. Right? So what you did describe was very resonant of that and I've been researching creativity a lot say over the last couple of months because I'm going to interview one of the foremost researchers of creativity on Sunday. Wow. Um, Congrats, man. Someone um, from Columbia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott Barry Kaufman, have you heard of him? Is he the, was he at one of the colloquia? He is the, he is the advisor for colloquia. This very cute, affable, adorable guy. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I was, He has the psychology podcast is a podcast that he runs and he interviews people on issues of psychology. Brilliant fellow. What a humble guy. I never use the term adorable for anything. Except him. Yeah. He is truly adorable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's interesting. I wonder what that would do. I wonder what a scientific view on, say, the the creativity aspect of things or, for that matter, the, what music and neuroscience and, you know, all of that would do to your musical yeah. output. What do you think? I mean, I, I love that. I love, like, I like getting heady uh-huh. with with my music. Right. Yeah. Um you know the the way people hack systems. So, like for instance, there is this guy who hacked the process of learning, and he became a jiu-jitsu black belt and a chess grandmaster in one year each. Wow! Right. So he he figured out a way to hack the entire process. Wow. I wonder if there is a way to hack the neurological process to create the music that satisfies you the best. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. Yeah. That would be super interesting. Yeah. I know. There's. I. I. I I was at a music festival in Barcelona a couple summers ago and they had there was some company that was there that was working on some some system to connect our biology with the live show. Uh-huh. Uh but that that's what it reminds that me of. That fucking sounds dystopic. Like bro. right yeah yeah <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I actually wrote a short story based on that idea that you could control people with music. Uh-huh. But I but there's a pipe piper of Hamilton. What are you doing? 
What's that? The Pied Piper of Hamelin. Have you heard that story? No. The Pied Piper who gets all the rats and then asks and then so here. I don't know this. This is like a fable, right? Yeah, it's a fable. Okay. Yes, I, yes, yes, I don't yes. know the Pied Piper. Uh-huh. But tell me, what were you saying? Well, so, but they had this company that was literally trying to like. I mean, my idea of it was like if you felt that <laughs> that it would have some biological response in you, like uh-huh. maybe you'd have something attached to you that was like. I don't know how it works, but right. I actually do think that is the future of music. Is like that is so interesting. Some some weird. Yeah. Yeah. You know what synesthesia is, right? Yeah. When you can taste music and hear, you know, all yeah. of that numbers and so on. Um, what if we were able to create something which, if we put in our systems, was able to make us feel music exactly. beyond just our ears? Exactly. Imagine being able to see Tame Impala's music, not Tame Impala playing music, but Tame Impala's music. That would be. Uh, what is that one song that's very famous by them? Um, uh, one of their first albums. I knew better. Or, oh, uh, their, one of their first albums. This is way back. They got very famous um, because of Walking Backwards or... No, let me remember. Um, where They have this beautiful video of it where this guy is going through the psychedelic kind of a thing. I'm forgetting. I'm pretty sure it's, oh, it's, it's like something backwards. Reverse or in reverse or... Reality in Motion? No, no, no. Reality in Motion is recent. Yeah. But yeah, whatever. Okay. Um, yeah. Tell me about your new album. What is it called? It's called Hawk Talk. Hawk. Hawk, like a, like the bird. And is there a particular reason for calling it Hawk Talk? Because that's like a very radio show name. Yeah, it's a... Uh, yeah, it is a radio show name. <laughs> Hawk Talk. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Hawk Talk. <laughs> As you know, I've never even thought of that. Yeah. Um, it's about... So, I mean, the idea is like I... The album is about the importance of taking your hero's journey mm-hmm. and just cause like <clears throat> I've been through the past like four or five years I've just been on this the songs come from the past four or five years and I've just been on this uh, just been really trying to figure out how to like I don't know be my best self uh, and and uh, so so the songs all kind of that's the thread connecting them um, and I I see a lot of hawks like they they kind of just like come into my space a lot, um, and at first I didn't think it was weird, and then there was a couple moments where hawks would be like like I had I had one I was working in South Central Los Angeles at at this garden, and I had this hawk land on my van, like while I was having lunch, and it was like the weirdest thing for this hawk to just like land on my car while I was out there in South Central where it's like. I don't know how many hawks are there. Uh-huh. But uh, so I started like thinking like, oh, this might be a, a positive sign from the universe or right. whatever, God or whatever. So I, I don't know. I just, I gave hawks I, this meaning mm-hmm. that when I see them, I'm on the right path. It's a mm-hmm. sign I'm on the right path, mm-hmm. whether that's real or not. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's strong enough if it's symbolized in your psyche. In my psyche, it means something. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's right? strong enough. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't get, I try not to get like grandiose about it but just like yeah I see a hawk and it makes me feel good mm-hmm. it's like a milestone on this road that I'm traveling on exactly right? mm-hmm. exactly so yeah that's why I call it Hawk Talk and um, and so it, it means something flavors, to me the, the album's flavored around a hero's journey you say yeah yeah right. I think there's a 
Yes, it's very it's very structured like a hero's journey narrative. Interesting. So somebody yeah. goes out, learns something, then realizes that he needs to go back and then give it this the secret superpower, this super esoteric knowledge to the people that he came from, kind of a thing. Yeah, exactly. And and like so the there's like yeah. So then the album starts out where it's like you know the call the call that like I'm I accept the journey. There's like and I, I didn't do this like consciously i just the songs i wrote kind of added up like this but Mm -hmm. so at the beginning of the album it's i accept the call and then there's this like dark period where um the in the album i kind of like there's a song called the empty song and that's like the low point of the record Mm -hmm. and it's about pretty much nihilism right 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 right, it's about being feeling empty Uh and then i come out of that and by the end of the record the last song is called uh Stronger than I once was, mm-hmm. and it's like a triumphant song uh-huh. about going you, through the motions, right? Like like going through the good and the bad parts, and then coming out stronger, kind of. A thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm actually really excited about that song because it's like it's so it's and it's a reminder to myself when I play the song, when I hear it, whatever, to that I can come back from anything. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I've 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 gone through enough stuff. And obviously my life is wonderful, very peachy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've gone through enough stuff to know that I can always come be better. Mm-hmm. I can always come back harder. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, There's two very interesting ideas I have to that. Yeah. The first one is that every time I have been in a situation that I've had no idea how to navigate with, be that traveling in strange lands where I don't speak the language by myself, Yeah. to... Um, emotionally strange places where I don't know how to navigate from here to psychologically tough spots where I've been in an intellectual corner, you know, Mm -hmm. all all these things, every time I've come across and I've gone through, there is, um, there is a part of me that whispers to me after that, you are alive. And Mm. I took that with Mm. me and I started telling myself, I always come back alive. Yeah. I don't need to be afraid. I always come back alive. Yeah. Right? And and that has yeah. allowed me, that has given me the permission to go harder at the fall of life. I fall face first. I don't fall with my hands first anymore. 100%. Fall face first. Yeah, man. The second thing is, um, I've been reading a lot of Buddhism off late. And it's not out of religious interest, but more out of academic intellectual interest. Yeah. And I restrict almost any, any stuff that I read, any stuff that I engage in is purely intellectual first, academic first. And from there it moves on to a personal level. And there is, um, Amen. a second century philosopher, Buddhist philosopher, his name was Nagarjuna. Mm-hmm. Nagarjuna had a battle of wits with a man who claimed that the Buddhist philosophy, that the ultimate reality of everything is empty, is a nihilistic philosophy. Mm-hmm. And he, he churns the conversation in a way where he makes you where, where what he sort of posits is that emptiness is not nihilistic and it just sort of yes. is a tangent to what you were saying emptiness yes. is um, emptiness is how does he say he says there's a conventional reality which is what we see mm-hmm. and then there's an ultimate reality what emptiness means is not empty of meaning but empty of inheritance Zach is nobody until Prakhar is here and Prakhar is nobody until Zach is here and this podcast is nothing until the both of us are here mm. there is no being there is interbeing we are all on a continuity a continuous spectrum yeah right so it's like um, what he posits and it's a very weird thought to grab your head around that's why it's a whole conversation in, it, yeah, in this place wow. but it, the notion is there is no 
there is no paper without the tree there is no tree without the rain there is no rain without the clouds there is no clouds without the river there is no river without the ice there is no ice without the heat there is no heat without the sun there is no sun without you know yeah. so there is a continuity of being all of us are in this continuity yes. there is no inherent there is no inherent static existence it's yes. a continuous existence yes. and in that sense we are all empty we are all empty of inherence so so it's like emptiness through because of change because of kind the of continuity of continuity change. yes it's 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 a very interesting the buddhists saw the world very quantum they never saw the world classical like the way we see uh, things this is an entity i am an entity no 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 the interaction is what matters is this why is this why you you you're into the quantum stuff right yeah 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 Heavy. is that is that partly so like that's interesting I'm getting Tomer's brother to talk to me about quantum next week. He told me, yeah. yeah I'm super pumped Dude, for that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Also, I emailed uh, Brian Green. Have you heard of him? Columbia professor, super uh-uh. famous physicist. Uh-uh. For the same, I'm like, please tell me what quantum and string and all of this shit means. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah, super yeah. into it. Because the class that I'm taking this semester, and I hope I can get the professor from that class on, his name is David Kite, David Komodo Kite. Mm-hmm. Um, he has been trying to work this thing there is so many buddhist philosophical references from before science was a thing yeah. that refer to a quantum sense of reality that yes. we realized in the 1900s yeah we were touching ourselves for no particular reason masturbating to this idea that we understand how the world works because newton told us so for the longest time before we were like no nope, we don't get it yeah we have no idea yeah you know um and that's that's that sort of builds me to ask you a question is is Does all your albums, the, all the music that you create, have a philosophical undertone? Yes, yes. Yeah. Is that how you try to keep your music philosophically alive? Like, is that the intent yeah. that people get a message from the layers of music that you? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the stuff that I'm tur- I'm turned on by philosophy. I'm that's that's just me. So, like for me, that's a really important. Is like, why is an artist doing what they're doing? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, my. I would say this record has more of a, like, it's more conscious than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. In the past, the the philosophical element has been there, mm-hmm. but not not always consciously. Now I'm very conscious of of how this album is put together. Mm-hmm. That's why, in, in a lot of ways, this kind of feels like my first record because mm-hmm. it's the it's the most. Uh, put together. Yeah, it's most put together. It's the most thought out, would you say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And would you call this a process of evolution or a process of awakening? You know, is oh, this yeah. like which one would you say is this you've learned to do that or you've just awakened to the idea that music is supposed to be this put together? I mean, I think I'm just I think I've always believed that, but I'm I'm at the place like with my with my skills and like I've grown in I've grown into it. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So so I've always believed that but I think I've never had the tools to fully create a record like this until now. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I do I I I sort of see the sense. Like I mean every time I have a conversation <coughs> or a bunch of conversations for my podcast and I go back and I'm like hmm, this was very different from what I was doing 5 episodes ago. This mm-hmm. was very different and almost all of them feel like I look back and I'm like what the fuck was I doing? 10 episodes ago like i was that stupid or something but it's mostly i realize it's a process of constant evolution it's a feedback yes. i take from your interest in this conversation yeah. it's a feedback i take from the people's interest in this conversation yeah and then i'm like huh and yeah. then what gets me off 
Yeah. Right. I could have simply sat you down, and be like, "So, what was sixteen like? What was seventeen like? Eighteen like?" Instead, yeah. I was like, "These are the particular notes that I want to touch upon yes. and see what an artist thinks about it." Yeah. Right. These are philosophical notes. This vague fucking armchair conceptions that I have of reality. What yeah. is a real person doing this thing of these stuff? Yes. And that so it's it's always a constant of it's a process of constant evolution for me. Hundred percent. Right. You know. Um, where what is the immediate future for Zach look like, and what is the eventual future? Hopeful eventual future for Zach look like. Hopeful. Uh, so um, the immediate future is I'm going to go like hole up in this cabin mm-hmm. in Michigan mm-hmm. and uh, just work on music and mm-hmm. work on a lot of the electronic stuff we were talking about. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I'm putting out a record in early 2020. So I kind of feel my whole that that this whole next year is going to be dedicated to that. You're going to be touring? The, yeah, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. A lot of these things are like, coming together place right now Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean hopefully i'm dedicating my life to this so um yeah man i mean uh i'll be playing music pretty heavily for the next couple of years Mm -hmm. that's the immediate what is the the immediate like what how do you see yourself say 30 years down the line 30 years down the line optimistically speaking yeah um i'm still playing music yeah, playing music, but I, I kind of, I mean, yeah, I think my, my musical heroes who are that, who are like 50 and still making music, they're, uh, I don't know, like someone like David Byrne mm-hmm. or someone from the Talking Heads. Mm-hmm. They have, they have uh, multiple outlets for their creativity. They're not just musicians. Mm-hmm. So I think in 30 years, I'd love to like have some way of aligning my musical interests with... I with my environmental interests mm-hmm. with I'd love to like have a farm mm-hmm. yeah, a family like all that stuff mm-hmm. if I if I if I could bring that all together in some way that'd be that ideal be, that's my ideal right yeah very but, interesting yeah uh-huh um do you see yourself as uh, I mean and this might be sort of a leading question to ask but here is how I see my future and tell me what you think about it yeah I, if this thing takes off, if what mm-hmm. I do, um, people find value, like you say, people might. Yeah. Um, I want to be pushing culture. I want to find mm. another Zach at 20, at yeah. 25, who's working his stuff, whose music I believe in. Yeah. And I want to tell people, hey, this is the kind of, this is music, this music's fresh, this is great, listen to this. Yeah. I want to be in a place where I can, I'm not just helping artists, yeah. but I'm actively in the business of helping artists. Mm, mm. Dude, I think that's, yeah. That's my end goal. Like, it's like I want to bring culture to wherever I am. Say if I'm in America, if I'm in India, if I'm in Ukraine. Here is the next big thing. I want to be the one with the binoculars looking at the yeah. arriving arrival of, of, of the next cultural hit. Yeah. And I want to be the one putting it out. This is the next director you should be looking out for. That's where I see myself. Because you, cause you, th- you think you have a, discer- a, a discerning eye for this stuff. I have stuff. a passion for it. And I, well, I think that's really cool also because like, we need people to curate culture. Mm-hmm. No more playlists only. Yeah, exactly. You know, all of the entire... And we need smart people with good hearts mm-hmm. to curate culture, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know Are you saying, saying I have a good heart? Come on, man. I, I you get, would never say that. I get that, I get that vibe. I get that vibe. <laughs> I try. I try. Um, is there a question that you have? Um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that, that uh, emptiness as continuity. Mm-hmm. It's a difficult notion. I can give you the paper if you want. I would. Lo- I would love to read it. It's uh, a. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, It's. 
In fact, uh, there's 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 a few papers, and they're I think about twenty thirty pages each. If yeah. you have a nighttime reading session ever with that, yeah. Since I've taken this class, this is what I think about reality. This is a biological spacesuit that I have, mm-hmm. and I'm not this. Of course, I'm not my brain because that's a tool I have. Yeah, I'm possibly not even my consciousness because it's interrupted and non-continuous. Mm-hmm. Um, I am nothing. Then the question might be: Is this real? Sort of because I perceive it, but this also, pretty much through quantum physics, we can say is non-existent. This is an appearance. This is a. This is predicated on observation. There is no observer-independent, observer-independent phenomena at all. Yes. Right. Then what the fuck is real? Emptiness. That's where the Buddhists come in. There is nothing. Uh, I get that. Okay. Right. Yeah. And then, and then the concept of rebirth, as opposed as I have been to it, right? I've always felt that as a means of social control. Even though I have more evolved ideas around the same now, um, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Anything is possible because all of what we think is possible is negligibly false. Is entirely negated um, if you were to look at things closely. Hume got to the same idea. Hume Hume's treatise on human nature. Yeah, he was like, let's answer the question, who am I? And he's like, there is no way you can find. That there is, mm. um, yeah. Dostoevsky says the only ultimate truth you can get at with your thinking capacity is coming to the realization that life is meaningless, which is sort of similar to what they're saying, you know. So if you look deep enough, none of this makes any sense. It's difficult to accept because then what of all the loved ones you've had? What of all the experiences you've had? What of the hopes and the dreams that you have? If there is no you, all of them make no sense, right? That's where the dissonance is at. That's where people find it hard to accept the notion. Mm-hmm. How can I say my father is not my father? How can I say that love is not real? How can I say this conversation never happened? Or if it happened, it's meaningless. How can I say that? I put my heart and my sweat into it. Yeah. You know? Well, so so if for you, the emptiness means there's no meaning? No. Emptiness means... Like, is there, mean, it's is there meaning? meaning? Dependent. Dependent it's, meaning. Right? Okay, okay. That, that dependency. So... What the Buddhists would say is that you need to get a hold of this conventional reality, what you see, yeah. to get to the ultimate reality. Uh, so it's not discardable. Nihilism is a wrong approach because then you discard yes. conventional reality. Yes. You have to give you have to give it its due weight, but not reify it, but not uh, overdo it. Yes. Yes. That's where they're at. Because if if you deify it, then that's materialism. Yeah. That then you fall to the trap of be behaving only to what you see. You know, then yeah. you are then you are the same as somebody who sees a magician perform a magic trick and say that's real magic because that's all you see. Yes, yes. You know? This is all you see. This is not all you perceive. Or even if this is all you perceive, there is no guarantee that there is phenomena beyond your perception. You cannot see time. Hundred percent. Yeah. There is time, and it's a fo- it's a dimension. What do you mean it's a dimension? There is there is theoretical physicists who say that it is only because in our universe the concept of entropy applies that things go from organized to disorganized, that there is a linear flow of time. In other universes, it might be the reverse, that chaos becomes order, mm-hmm. and the time is going reverse linear. <laughs> or there might be circular flows of time. And it gets extremely... I don't know why they don't... I mean, it's such a humbling moment. I used to think the most humbling thing I know is that I'm a monkey floating on a spaceship across you know, across the universe. Yeah. There is more humility to that, that the universe by itself might just be a conception. Yeah. And it leads you to this pantheistic view that Terence McKenna said, you were consciousness experiencing itself in so many ways, in so many forms. This is all the same. That's yes. pantheism. Uh, and I am so scared to believe that. So 
fucking scared to believe that's true. Why are you scared to believe that? Because that I it's the same as it's partly the same as believing that the world's a deterministic place. Because then I can just be like, okay, I'm not gonna do shit if everything's decided already. One, right? It puts you ah. at the propensity to be lazy. Mm. Two, it's it it makes it invalidates all meaning I've had in some sense. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a. I then I'm choosing to believe in a lie that Zach and I are friends. Yeah, it's not ultimately true. Ultimately, it's all empty. Yeah, but conventionally, it's true. Then ah. I'm choosing to believe in an ultimate lie. but a conventional truth. I can see how that would go to a dark place yep. quick. And I want to see how dark it gets with psychedelics in the equation. <laughs> but it's been a great time, man. It's been yeah, so man. fun doing this. Thank you so much me, for stopping. Thank you so much for playing that song. Yeah, I'm man. really appreciative of that. Of course. I am super excited for your next album, Hawk Talk, which is going to be on Spotify early 2020. Yes, sir. Let us fucking get that on, people. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this stuff, might I please remind you to please press the subscribe button. If you liked it enough, if you press the subscribe button, it only helps other listeners come to find the podcast more easier. Also, if you disagree with something, you are more than welcome to approach me on any of my social media handles or my email. My email is mailme.prakargupta@gmail.com. Finally, leave a feedback, leave a review. It really helps people who are list- who are checking my podcast out to find if they'd be interested in this content or not. and eventually if you just love this podcast and you cannot stop thinking about it share it with somebody it really helps my audience grow a little bigger thank you so much for listening it's been incredibly fun doing this for you